BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, I'm really, I don't know what the word is. It's not excited, but I'm really proud of the compilation of shows that we are putting together this Pride Month. As I'm going to restate at the beginning of each week in June, we are talking with leaders and activists and thought leaders and Hollywood folks, authors, to get a better picture of their thoughts around pride, around where we are with regard to progress for the LGBTQ community. And the question that I'm asking is, Should we be going back to our roots as a community that was born out of resistance to violence, to struggle, to oppression, to invisibilizing us altogether? I will say that I was so fucking disgusted last week for a variety of reasons, as I am with this country these days. But the Biden administration decided to hold an event where they were going to be honoring Nancy Reagan on a stamp as, uh, you know, one of the first ladies to get a stamp. And who else was going to be at that event but was Louis, uh, Louis DeJoy, you know, uh, the Trump lackey who took over the Postal Service, slowed it down so that we wouldn't be able to mail in ballots for the election. Who is Nancy Reagan? Well, she isn't just, you know, a former first lady. She was also very prominent in the war against the LGBTQ community when AIDS was our epidemic and not COVID. The Reagan administration allowed for tens of thousands, if not more, 
queer people in the United States to die and do nothing about it. Wouldn't even utter the words AIDS. It was perceived, if you remember, uh, for those of you who are old enough, in the 80s to be God's excuse to how to get rid of these sinful characters. Back in the 80s, before there were investments into various drugs to allow for this diagnosis to not be a death sentence, so many people died, died in the streets, died alone in hospital rooms with not even the kindness of caretakers because of how the Reagan administration characterized gay people. It was your fault that you got HIV and AIDS. And your death was but a scarlet letter on you and on those who loved you, knew you, so forth and so on. So for me, as a black queer woman, to see that this administration would think that during Pride Month, that this would be a right move to make, once again signals how out of touch, disconnected they are. Look, I'm not saying, hey, don't provide first ladies with stamps, but I'm saying, let it be known, not in the month, for the community with which that administration made a target. Harmed in irrevocable ways. Thank God for science. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for public pressure and those like Ryan White who would show that it wasn't just LGBTQ people that were getting HIV and AIDS, right? That this was a epidemic of not just one community, but what would become that of the entire nation that the Reagan administration could have stopped, but they didn't. So for me, for them to decide to honor this person in our month was a slap in the face. I am so tired too, and you will hear me talk with different people throughout the week about the commodification of pride. These companies who don't, who literally will fund candidates who work against our best interests, fund them behind our back, and then rainbow up their websites, their products, their merchandise all through the month of May to receive. LGBTQ dollars, take our money by daylight and stab us in the back at night. The same way that we are seeing places like Walmart degrade what Juneteenth is to black Americans. They're putting out ice cream and bullshit t-shirts. That's not what Juneteenth is. And while I, at one time, appreciated the mainstreaming of pride 
because I felt like it was us being brought from the margins into daylight. It was all just a ploy for capitalism. Because as soon as that month is over, they go back to funding bad actors that look to dehumanize us through their vicious policies on a regular basis. Coming up today uh, in our conversation and with our theme, Pride is a Riot, we chat again with B. Pagels Minor, who, if you remember, was the very outspoken former uh, employee of Netflix who is also black and transgender and organized, helped to organize the walkout with regard to Netflix's showing of Dave Chappelle's comedy, and I use that term loosely, special, where he attacked for what felt like an entire fucking hour the most marginalized community in this country. One that is killed well beyond our normal rate of murder and forgotten about, thrown in trash cans. But he felt that, oh, this is the community that I'm going to make quote unquote jokes about. Well, as a Netflix employee who was also one of the heads of their employee resource groups that are dedicated to both black folks and queer people. B. Pagels Minor took it upon themselves to organize their employees. Following that walkout, they were fired. And we have seen since then that not much with Netflix has changed. In fact, they have threatened their employees, telling them that they will reap what they sow as it pertains to quote-unquote wokeness. So in this conversation coming up next with B, we will talk with them about what queer employees still face. They have become a new parent during this time. So we will also touch upon what it means to be a trans parent and the safety of our queer kids and children in general. That conversation with B. Pagels Minor as we continue to celebrate pride here on Woke AF is coming up next. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Vituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Vituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Vituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. <laughs> 
It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Folks, I am very excited to welcome back to Woke AF Daily, B. Pagels Minor, who is an investor and startup advisor and former Netflix uh, employee. And if you remember, it was roughly, I think about a year ago, uh, B, when you joined us on Woke AF to talk about your termination from Netflix following uh, your organization of a walkout. And this was associated with Dave Chappelle's, I I guess it was at that time, his latest uh, comedy special where I found nothing funny, uh, but it was an entire special that seemed to be directed at weaponizing comedy against the trans community. Uh, And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand, you know, his format. And I was a Dave Chappelle fan. You organized uh, at the time uh, a workout because according to you and the, and the piece that you had written, your opinion piece in the Washington Post uh, back in 2021, there was no conversation with the trans ERG. There was no, even, even if folks had said, oh, we just want things canceled and that couldn't happen because, you know, capitalism, there could have been, as you said in your Washington Post piece, an opportunity to have conversation, to be in community, at least to have people be heard. Um, there hasn't been much be that has happened at Netflix in the positive from a year ago. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you have heard, what you've read and seen um, about their war against their quote unquote woke employees and how that landed with you. Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you for having me back. You know, it, it was a great conversation last time. And actually what's really crazy is it's only seven months. Like, it's, oh my it's, God. Like, it's, it's, it's such, it's such a, it's like, it feels like forever and also a short period of time ago. Um, and it's so interesting because, you know, one of the things I, I definitely reflect on at this time is, you know, one of the reasons I joined Netflix was because of this idea that, you know, they welcome disagreement and discussion. You know, the idea of really being that, you know, you write a memo, you, you know, you have a point of view and you have a conversation with people to create the best version of something. And so that's what we were really asking then. And that's what employees are asking now, right? It's like, invite us into the conversation. Why would you go out and seek to build the best sports team, right? So that's the Netflix metaphor, right? It's not about family. It's not about, you know, a personal connection. It's about building the absolute best sports team. Well, the thing is, Phil Jackson asked Kobe Bryant, what his opinion was on the best defense they were playing, right? You know, coaches asked their team to help them improve their team. And so what was happening in Netflix then, you know, even actually before that that first Chappelle special, when I first got there in March 2020, we were having conversations about content and how content can be harmful. And whether it was Transstar or if it was Black Cat, which are the, the two, two of the large ERGs at Netflix, whether it was those organizations just raising their hand and saying, we want to be partners to you because we feel like we can help you. Because that was always the conversation. It was about, let's be partners. And I think that's one of the things that mainstream media really got this wrong, is that it was kind of this, like, Netflix employees who don't understand capitalism, for instance, um, mm-hmm. you know, who are, who, are, who are against the company. And that's not what it was. It was, let's work together and create, like, an actual partnership because we think we can make content that's great. 
I'm a trans person who just had a baby. Every time I went to my doctor's appointment and those other pregnant ladies saw me come in, they, they gave me the like double take and triple take. That is a comedy special right there. It's just watching a trans person <laughs> go into uh, you know, an OBGYN's office pregnant, right? Like we understood what comedy is. Like we love to laugh. If you've ever been to, you know, uh, a gay club or a drag show, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, it's raunchier than Dave Chappelle has ever even thought of, right? So if being offended wasn't the whole conversation, it was about being a partnership. And to, to, to your point today, I'm not, I'm frankly not very surprised. You know, some of the people who are in leadership um, at Netflix, you know, they, it seems like they made a concerted effort to push out a lot of those people who were really like on the, the, the edge of, of, you know, the, the, the company who are talking about, you know, very difficult conversations, trying to push them forward, trying to really develop them. You know, one of the, you know, C-suite executives is Rachel Whetstone, whose husband is a very, very conservative human um, and, you know, is a concerning human, right? And so it's not surprising that you have some certain people who are in power who are moving Netflix further and further away from that general idea of having difficult conversations to create the best product, right? So it's not actually about being woke. And that's the thing that people keep being wrong about. You don't become some of the most talented people in the world who get recruited to work in one of the best companies in the world by being woke. You, right. You, you mm-hmm. get those jobs by having critical conversations, critical thinking, and literally being just really brilliant people. And that's the thing that's being missed here. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, where I find there there is in media uh, and in the reporting, particularly around this, it was a lack of nuance, right? Because it's so much better to say that all uh, people wanted was Dave Chappelle to be canceled, right? That's the easy way out. And what we often say, you know, within the LGBT community, within the Black community, is we're not trying to cancel people, trying to like have you be conscious of what it is that you are delivering and how it is landing on the communities that you are making the target. Um, or, or the headline of your content, right? It's it's how does it land? And did you have that consciousness ahead of time? And I think that, you know, particularly around comedy, it becomes really tricky. We've seen, you know, incidents over the over the last uh couple of couple of months, really, um, where people have been assaulted. Um, and I'm not I'm not talking about the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock thing. I'm talking about, you know, at the comedy club, the the guy rushing the rushing the stage. You know, I just think that we are living in more violent times, frankly. Right. Where where they're they're just there. People need to be aware that folks are are really on edge. But that for to your point. What this isn't about cancel culture, right? Like, what do you think that the real there there is that the lgbtq plus community is asking for and this is just with with outside of just dave Chappelle, just using him as kind of you know the intro in but when we come up and say x is a problem or this is a problem what do you believe is at the core of it yeah you know i want to bring up a recent example because this has been something that like all of us have been talking about because trying to figure out how we feel about it so you know Kendrick Lamar just released his new album and he has this song, Anti-Stories, right? And in the song, he says the F word. He misgenders and dead names one of his relatives. And it was so interesting because like on one hand, I had my black relatives 
I had white folks. I had a whole bunch of people come to me being like, okay, what's your, because like, first of all, this is like one of the most famous, most respected rappers having a conversation about LGBTQ plus people. And it doesn't seem like it's being done right. And to your point about nuance, the first thing I said is, I was like, I would like to know what his auntie and his cousin says about his, his song. I was like, did they say it was okay for him to do that? Because the reality is, that's what we're really coming to. There's a nuance of what is the, the larger conversation, right? And then what is a personal conversation between individuals, right? So Kendrick Lamar could have had complete, you know, authority and, and approval from his, his family saying, it's perfectly fine to misgender me. And that's fine. But if he goes outside of that space and he misgenders someone else, Mm-hmm. Or he dead name someone else. That's not acceptable, right? And so that's really what the conversation is. The conversation is whatever your personal feelings are. That's a one on one relationship. When you're talking about a larger whole community, you don't get to just make assumptions and put certain qualities on that community and have that community to say yes. I mean, it's just like me being black. You know, if I were to have taken into my heart the media representation of black people. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I would think that I'm supposed to be a gang member who's going to shoot some random white lady on the side of the street. Right. And I don't do that. Like no one in my family would even possibly contemplate that. Right. And so it's about this idea of let's have actual individual conversations with people, learn who they are so that we can be more intelligent and more respectful of them. Right. And that is that's whether it's LGBT plus, that's whether it's black, that's whether it's Asian. That's whether, you know, even if it is a white lady who has more privilege than the rest of us, let's have individual conversations because that's how we end up with legislation with folks saying that, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, women can't have an abortion, right? Even though it's their right, it's their private conversation. The fact is, is that it starts with us, but it goes to every other community, right? Like do not make assumptions about other people, have actual conversations. Because if you do, chances are you'll learn things that will really shock you, you know. And and even I think you know, even I've said multiple times when I talk, when I listen to Dave Chappelle, especially talk about some of his investments and what he wants to do in community, he and I have the exact same opinions, like literally the same opinions. But he wouldn't know that because he hasn't decided to to choose the, to to acknowledge the fact that I exist, that I'm a black LGBTQ plus person. Because for him, there's only two worlds, and and that world doesn't include me. You know, it's just so wild because I'm listening to you and a couple of things that stood out. And one of which is that this all comes down to the desire to recognize that we all don't know everything, right? And so if I am really trying to be in community or I'm just trying to grow as a human being, that comes with the understanding that there is more information out there. So why would I lock myself off to that information? I think about it in the context of, you know, the the push the pushback with uh, the the Republican Party and critical race theory, right? It's the desire mm-hmm. not to want to know, right? Not to want to know anything outside of what you've always been taught, um, and, and so it, it is it is it is wanting to exist inside of a bubble. For Dave Chappelle and others to believe that the world is binary, to believe that everything has to be either this way or this way, um, and it's not. Right. And so if we don't if we don't educate in the way of recognizing that we are living in shades of gray, that everything is a lot more layered than and nuanced than is being presented, we don't grow. We're not going to grow as people and we certainly are not going to grow as a society. Um, You are a new parent. And when we 
spoke, which now I thought was seven years ago, B, it was just seven <laughs> months ago. Um, when we spoke seven months ago, you were getting ready to give birth. So first I want to ask, how are you as a, as a, yes. as a new parent, having a new human in, uh, in, in your home? How is that going? Well, I was talking to my aunt visiting right now and I was telling her last night, I was like, well, I was like, it's like, I'm really looking forward to when he's two. And she's like, why? I was like, I was like, I think that's when I'm asleep a little bit more. Right? I was like, that feels like a really good, like, target date period type situation. But no, it's great. Like, honestly, um, you know, I am very tired. Like, there's like a lack of sleep. But honestly, it's it's the coolest thing ever. Like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be like, like, what kind of parent I was going to be. But now I'm just like, I can just look at you for a few more hours. Just a few. Like, you know, it's, wow. it's so great. having you That's wonderful. And, you know, as a new parent who is also queer, and we are living in some of the most threatening times I think I have ever seen in modern in modern times, um, with attacks coming not just on our community, but particularly queer kids, queer youth, right, um, who adults are supposed to protect and instead have turned into targets for their target practice of hate. What comes up for you? What are you feeling as you are seeing these don't say gay bills and knowing that your child at some point will be going into school, right? Um, and what it means for them to be acculturated into a society that doesn't want to see them, see their, see their parents, see their caregivers, see their community. What comes up for you as a new parent as all of this is, is transpiring around us? Well, first and foremost, you know, I think that it's just like a deep responsibility that he knows the truth, right? You know, like, you know, it's it's crazy. I, the number of books that are on his shelves are just like insane, right? Because <laughs> I was just like, well, we have to get, we have to start this library now because we have to start educating him on real truths and real facts. That's the first thing. It's like, it's a little bit terrifying to know that we have to like, so, so closely safeguard facts now from fiction. Um, and then it's a, it's going to be a personal responsibility, I honestly believe, for parents to really do that. But the second thing is that this really feels like a parent's rights issue. Like, I remember, you know, with, especially as a lot of these laws are coming through, I was like, I cannot imagine if someone told me that I couldn't do what I thought was best for my child, right? Like, you know, I'm sure my mother would feel the same. Like, you know, how can you say, like, I spend all day with this kid. I know exactly what's going on with him, you know? And then how could you, if he told me, you know, in a few years or even tomorrow, if you just learned how to talk to him, he could say it. And he said, you know, hey, you know, Baba, I'm trans. Like, you know, I, I think I'm a girl. And you're going to tell me that I somehow don't know what's best for him? And it just, it just, it boggles my mind. And it goes back to this idea of like this fact from fiction, right? Because like you have so many people saying that, you know, I don't want to wear a mask. It's my personal choice. Yep. But then, you know, when it comes to women's bodies, they don't have a choice. When it comes to parents and how they want to raise their kids, they don't have a choice. And that's a really troubling pattern for me, right? Because, like, ultimately, I feel as though that this comes down to individuals. Again, you know, like, if you don't know what that one-on-one -on -one relationship is, and obviously, I'm not a proponent, you know, whenever we talk about trans care and trans rights, what any person is really talking about, any rational person is talking about, is providing those kids the necessary treatment mm -hmm. to stop certain progress. Mm -hmm. But all of that can just be taken out pretty quickly and they can just keep going, right? I mean, for example, myself, 
Mm-hmm. I was on testosterone before I tried to get pregnant. So I had to go off of testosterone, mm. give it a couple of months, and then my body just went right back into its normal cycles. And then I was able to, you know, get pregnant. So, you know, whenever people are talking about this is going to completely change these children, I was like, no, it's not. I was like, I'm literally proof that, you know, the body just goes right back to whatever it was doing beforehand. And so all we're really doing is, is creating this a pathway for these kids to live, right? Because that's the thing that we're talking about. And so, you know, I can't imagine, you know, any, any rational human who actually loves other humans, actually, if they understood and if they were curious and if they were thoughtful and if they did any research, actually being against a child having the care that they needed if they understood it. And so it's just, it's, 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 it's terrifying. But it also is one of those things like, you know, I had a fundraiser last week in Chicago um, from Howard Brown Health. So Howard Brown Health, I've been on the board there for seven and a half years. And honestly, so Howard Brown Health is the largest LGBTQ plus center in the Midwest and potentially, you know, depending on who you talk to, the largest in the country. And what's really interesting about that is to this point, you know, obviously Chicago's already said that they will be a haven state for people who are seeking abortion. Mm -hmm. They also will be a haven state for people who are seeking trans care. And so what's really happening is, is for Howard Brown, they've already gotten people from all the Midwest. So, you know, you have people from Iowa and Michigan who are bringing their families in there because they want to get the proper care. And so what, what, what it really does to me though, is I, I launched that fundraiser because I was saying, you know, we have more work to do, right? Yeah. And we're well equipped to do it. We're better organized than we've ever been. You know, we're smarter than we've ever been. I think we're tougher than we've ever been. And so we're ready for this fight, right? And so I have to start, I have to fight harder now because now I have this kid that I want to be able to make choices for um, for the rest of his life. You know, it's when, when you say that these medical interventions for trans youth provides a pathway to living. I think also that that is not the conversation that is being happened, uh, that is happening, excuse me, in mainstream media, because what we've allowed, I feel like the the radical right wing to be able to take hold of is quote unquote family values. Well, if you actually mm-hmm. do care about kids, which they don't, you know, so it's not like I'm trying to change their minds, but there are people who really do not understand, right? They don't understand the community. They don't understand the feelings. And I'm saying to myself, okay, well, have you ever seen your child depressed? Has your child ever Mm -hmm. tried to attempt suicide? Has has your child, you know, but like all of these different things, like you are a parent. If you're watching your child shrink into themselves, right? Because of how society is treating them, how they're being treated at school, how they're being treated in community. What parent looks, I mean, there are many because the homelessness rate for LGBTQ youth is still extraordinarily high in comparison to mm-hmm. their their uh, straight counterparts. Um, but it's like most parents would want to do right by their children. If I can stop your pain, if I can ease it, right, that would be the desire for me to do. And so I feel yeah. like the way that we're not having this conversation is about those trans youth, those queer kids that are in schools about how they are, how, how we're trying to ease their pain, right? How we're trying to ease their life and, and not talk about it just in terms of statistics and in terms of um, hormones, frankly, right? Like yeah. it's... Yeah, and, and there's two things I want to add to that. So one, one of the 
the guests at my fundraiser were two parents of a, a, a young woman who died by suicide, right? So she didn't make it to college, right? So she was a senior in high school. She was a patient at Howard Brown Health. And she died by suicide because she couldn't, she couldn't take it. She couldn't deal with it. And so her parents have gotten really involved in the community and are trying to, for instance, they're, they're big donors to uh, Broadway Youth Center. So Broadway Youth Center is a space that helps um, LGBTQ from 12 to 24, um, you know, GED programs, feeding them, making sure they have, you know, showers, um, making sure they have laundry. And they were like, you know, afterwards, they were like, this is what we feel like we can give back so no one else feels that way, right? And even myself, so when I was a teenager, I committed, you know, I, I literally died for a few minutes because, you know, I decided I didn't want to live anymore. And I was brought back. And, you know, the other part of that, so it's not only just like, do you want them to live, but it's also about the potential, right? I think that there's a lot of people who know me who would say, you know, if you weren't here, I'm not sure what this, my life would look like, right? Yeah. Like there's a value yep. in people yep. that I think that people also forget. Because sometimes, you know, even when you don't see the value in someone, they touch someone else mm-hmm. and that person creates exponential value. So it's also about the loss as a society that we have too. And I know that, that sometimes they don't think that we are worth anything, right? Mm-hmm. The simple fact is that you don't know. You really don't know. Like you don't know. Like, so for instance, most of the people I mentor, I mentor are cisgender women, right? Of different ethnicities. Most of them are heterosexual, right? And every single one of them who becomes a success and gives back to the community is, you know, that check mark for me yep. of like, I've created that effect. And so that's the thing that people don't understand about this as well. It's like, you know, you see one part of our identity and you really focus on that part of our identity, but you don't understand how um, just us as whole humans create this, this exponential impact when we're whole too, right? So it's like, if we could just get like, 10% or 20% more, right? Because we don't have to deal with some of the BS that happens, whether it's seeing a law or hearing about someone being assaulted or whatever. Like, imagine how much greater of an impact could we have, right? You know, like, and we already know that, right? Because LGBTQ people are the zeitgeist. Like, when, 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 we, when we do something, when we say something is cool, it is cool, right? You know, we're the ones who create the movement. Mm-hmm. We create the joy. We create the art. We create the music. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 like the exponential impact is so great in society. And it's like, you know, we're literally diminishing how great our society could be with the ways in which we're allowing these individuals to take away our rights and take away the humanities from these people and then taking and in the end taking away their lives. Yeah. I mean, I think that the the message is always that our destinies are intertwined, right? And so mm-hmm. by people making it their crusade and their life's mission to disrupt the lives of other people, you in turn are disrupting your own life um, and, and, and the opportunity for us to all uh, actualize our greatness. And what would society look like if we were all left to be able to actualize um, our greatness? It would be pretty superb. Um, other than what we're living in right now. B. Pagels Minor, thank you so much for making the time once again to join Woke AF. We appreciate you, the conversation, and hope to have you back again soon. 
Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It was a great conversation as always. Hey there. I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. That is it for me today here, folks, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.